0: Hi, Betsy Rosenberg here, and I'm here to tell you that green works. I mean, it really works. Green works natural cleaners, that is. My family and I, along with our wonderful housekeeper Maria, were fortunate enough to be one of the early testers for Clorox's line of natural cleaners. And happy to report from the green front, we love everything we've tried. No kidding. Even Maria, who had previously rejected eco-friendly cleaning products I brought home, loved it. From the natural all-purpose cleaner to the natural dishwashing liquid to the latest Great Green offering, biodegradable cleaning wipes. My husband especially loves those. He's a bit of a clean fanatic and uses them to wipe down the kitchen counters after I've taken a swipe with a sponge. After patting himself on the back for his superior cleaning techniques, he just tosses those biodegradable wipes right into our compost heap. And voila. What could be better than that? Well, I'm happy to report that Greenworks natural cleaners cost less than other eco-friendly brands. So take it from this eco-mom on the green front lines. Green works. It really works.
1: This is the Green Talk Network, helping to provide a sustainable future for us all. Listening to On the Green Front with Betsy Rosenberg. The phone lines are open for your comments and questions at 1 346 9141. That's 1 346 9141. You can also send Betsy Rosenberg an email. Her address is Betsy at thegreenfront.com. Now back to On the Green Front with Betsy Rosenberg. And
0: welcome back to The Green Front, and I am so pleased to have Joe Lauer with me. We had the pleasure of meeting at the Sustainable Brands 08 Conference in Monterey last May, and there's another terrific one coming up, and Joe will be speaking at it again the end of uh, this May, and it will also be in Monterey, same place, same some of the same people, but also lots of new ideas. And uh, at that time, Joe's book, which he uh, co-wrote, was just coming out. It's called The Necessary Revolution, How Individuals and Organizations Are Working Together to Create a Sustainable World. So this is where um, environmental education and sustainable business sort of meet, and that's where we're going to begin with Joe. Welcome to The Green Front.
2: Thank you, Betsy. It's a pleasure to be here.
0: Such a great review. I didn't get a chance to read the whole book yet, but uh, you talk about, um, life beyond the industrial age bubble. Why is the uh, industrial age bubble about to burst if it hasn't already popped?
2: <laughs> I think it's leaking rapidly. <laughs> um, we have been living outside of the laws of nature for about 150 or so years, uh, fueled by uh, access to abundant uh, and relatively cheap, uh, at least the upfront cost, relatively cheap fossil fuels and, uh, and access to more and more resources. Um, but we fell into the trap of thinking that that was somehow the real world. We've been living outside of the laws of nature, and unfortunately, the laws of nature aren't changing anytime soon. So just as we, you know, <laughs> saw the dot com bubble, uh, uh, you know, back uh, in the late '90s, and and we've seen recent real estate bubbles and stock market bubbles where things are inflated beyond their ability to sustain them, themselves, and really inflated. Beyond uh, what's what's real, we get into a bubble. You know, Obama talks about how he fights life in the bubble because he doesn't get the pulse of the real people, and that's one thing he wants to uh, achieve. So we, we get into a bubble; we don't get true signals. So suddenly we're in the economic bubble, and you know, uh, of this this bubble economy that was uh, brought about by the first industrial revolution. And don't get me wrong; it did a lot of good things. You know, those of us who benefited from that have lived longer lifespans. we were, were Wealthier than the kings of old that we read about, uh, incredible uh, 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 progress in science and, and, and education and many many factors, but it has had these unintended side effects because it is not linked squarely enough to natural rhythms and natural systems. And the bubble is going to break. I think the current economic crisis is just one of the uh, an early indicator of, uh, of of living inside the bubble, and uh, uh, and, and is only a shadow. Of what we could see if we really hit the uh, hit the wall hard uh, uh, and begin to run out of run out of resources, really suffer toxicity from waste, climate change, uh, habitat loss. Um, there's so many unforeseen possibilities. So what we need to do, and that's the gloom and doom part. The good news is, <clears throat> it's quite possible to prosper and to do well living within the confines of natural systems. For example, the Menominee Indians in my home state of Wisconsin have something like 1.3 billion board feet of standing timber, which is slightly more standing timber than they had 100 or 150 years ago. And over that period of time, they have harvested... Several billion board feet of timber. So they've sustained themselves by harvesting at a rate that that forest can maintain, and they actually have slightly more timber now than they did a while ago. So they've made they've made that amount of money during that time, and they have uh, 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 still have all their timber left. Now they could have made more money more quickly had they clear cut the whole thing, but then that would have led to a, your classic boom and bust cycle, and they would be an impoverished, m- much more impoverished community now.
0: Last week on the Green Front, we had uh, John Marshall Roberts talking about eco-inspiration and how to communicate about these issues. Also, Gil Friend, who works with companies to, Mm -hmm. you know, emulate nature and be more sustainable. And and your book really is along those lines and and goes from there. Um, You talk about a future awaiting our choices, and you say there are three guiding principles, and if I can just take a second to read them, and if you could expand on them a bit. One, there is no viable path forward that does not take into account the need of future generations. Two institutions matter, and three, all real change is grounded in new ways of thinking and perceiving.
2: Yes, thanks. Uh, well, the first one, we have to take future generations into account. But the, the, the whole concept of sustainability is meaningless absent the next generation. And you'll find that one of the primary facets of nature is that the next generation is always taken care of, whether it's a long gestation period for you know elephants who have only one one uh, child at a time, or whether it's the sheer numbers that tadpoles and insects and minnows and many species employ to make sure that enough survive to uh, bring forth the next generation. They don't always ensure the individual will survive, but they ensure that the next generation will survive. And um, Institutions
0: matter. What do you mean by that?
2: Um, we can't just... We don't have a blank slate. We don't have a tabula rasa. So... <clears throat> um, and I have a lot of respect for small companies like Seventh Generation and Green Mountain Coffee Roasters, and and uh, and those who are, uh, in a sense, started from a blank slate to, to grow a company from scratch with social and environmental values.
0: Stonyfield Farms being another
2: one. Yes, Stonyfield Farms. We have, uh, but we have these huge institutions: um, educational institutions, business institutions, governmental institutions. And we aren't simply going to wipe them away and start over. We need to find the leverage points within those institutions, find the change, change agents, the natural allies within those, those institutions, and empower them and educate them and, help, and make them more effective so we can, like, like a, uh, a wheel turns a great ship, find that trim tab, that leverage point, and begin to bring these institutions into alignment. Some will make it. Some will not. Some will end up you know, going the way of the dinosaurs. But some will transform themselves.
0: And addressing the third point, all real change is grounded in new ways of thinking and perceiving. You have a great example of what one man did in Sweden, and how even his perception, his understanding of what he was starting when he went in, was you know pop, probably will not be that popular, won't have widespread interest, and it, it, the opposite occurred. Tell us about that. The guy named sure. Persted who started sure. with cars.
2: Yeah, Per Carsted. Well, he was he he was in a family of, of uh, Ford and Volvo and, and other car dealers, and. Uh, uh, he just began to look ar- around at, at a way to to bring alternative fuels online because he really saw the need. Um, and again, he didn't think there would be there would be much uh, support for it. He he, he I think uh, I forget the exact numbers right now, but I think it was he started out with three cars and then thirty or something like that. But he, when he hit a certain critical mass, it began to change the nature of the game. People that began to suddenly. Uh, it's what we call a mental model shift and he got enough of the system involved, enough of the players in the room, uh, that suddenly people realized, wow, we could do this. We could have a whole region of Sweden that is run entirely on biofuels. It's possible. And uh, until you have that realization, until you have that mental model shift, um, you can't achieve it because you don't know that it's possible. Once you have it and once you've got that vision, and certainly if it's one as inspiring as Per Karstad's, um, almost nothing can, can stop you. There's an old line from the, from the Talmud that says that uh, we don't see things the way they are. We see them the way we are. And I think that's what we mean by this point. It is so critical to shift people's paradigms, their way of seeing the world, uh, uh, because from that flows new vision and then new accomplishment. And suddenly so, and we look around and we say, well, of course, it seems obvious. But it wasn't obvious before you had that mental model shift.
0: And uh, one of the credos you, you write about is, value the earth services. They come free of charge to those who treasure them. Well, uh, A little bit of a warning there.
2: <laughs> well, that's true. And I, and I, think, uh, I think it was the, the World Bank some years back made an estimate of the, uh, the economic value of all the services, water purification, air purification, soil amendments, et, you know, et cetera, that we get from the earth free of charge every day. And the figure they came up with was something like 33 trillion dollars. Now this was a decade ago, so it probably would be more like 70 or 80 trillion today. But in one sense, it's it's meaning sound like our deficit. It, yeah, exactly. But in one sense, it's a meaningless figure. You can't. How are you going to? What are you going to substitute for water? What are you going to substitute for air? What are you going to substitute for healthy soils? Um,
0: we may find a substitute for oil, but not food and water.
2: Right, right, right. Exactly, exactly.
0: Uh, you talk about in the global village there's only one boat and a hole sinks us all. Is that becoming more evident to more people, at least in this country? We're a little I, slow learning this stuff.
2: <laughs> I, think, I think so. I think so. Uh, there's a wonderful picture in systems thinking that I, uh, I used to use in my teaching with organizations, and it shows a bunch of people in a boat, and one end of the boat is filling rapidly with water, and the people at that end are bailing furiously, and there's one or two people that are sitting up on the bow, which is way up in the air, and they're smiling and saying, I'm sure glad that hole isn't in our end of the boat. Um,
0: that.
2: <laughs> people are recognizing more and more that there is only one boat and uh, <clears throat> and I think it becomes particularly evident with climate change because if I look at this take soils, okay, so if a soil is degraded, there's a, a, a super fun you know, cleanup site, okay I can move away. And and, and the effect is somewhat local. A watershed gets Gets poisoned, or, 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 or as is happening in Chile and many areas of the of the world, the uh, Western U.S. It evaporates, so it begins. The water begins to go away. Well, that is a regional impact. But climate change, the atmosphere is the ultimate commons. It is our common, uh, uh, you know, air supply, our common breathing. You know, for, not only our commons, the commons of every species. We all contribute to it. We all take from it. And uh, and the, as the old rock musical Hare used to say, the air is everywhere. Um, so people are realizing that, wow, this thing is really linked much more than we anticipated. John Muir had it right a hundred and some years ago. Uh, everything is connected to everything else. And uh, uh, and so it's just like a balloon. You can't put a hole in one part of a balloon. It, uh, you know, the, whole, the integrity of the thing begins to unravel, and the whole system begins to collapse. And, and uh, are to so people establish- are recognizing that.
0: When we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more about uh, your website, Greenopolis, and also... Uh, give a quote that just sums up what you just said so nicely. You're listening to On the Green Front. We're speaking with
2: Joe Lauer. Stay with us.
3: listening to the green talk network help to spread the green by involving your family and friends you're doing your part and now help them think green spread the green the green talk network In today's business world, sustainability is the key driver of business opportunity and brand value. Join over 600 business leaders, brand strategists, designers, and sustainability execs at Sustainable Brands 09, the third annual gathering of business leaders focused on innovating for sustainability, May 31st through June 4th in Monterey, California. At Sustainability Brands 09, you'll hear Dell, Office Depot, Corax FedEx. Caterpillar, Williams-Sonoma, Method frito-lay and many more share stories of sustainable business success learn more at www.sustainablebrands09.com or call 650-344-9693 that's 650-344-9693 on the green front listeners get a free night stay at the monterey marriott use code ogfsb 94 h restrictions apply Is there truly a lesson in every situation? Can you learn from another person's experiences? Or are lessons learned when they only happen to you? Dave Pelzer, number one national and number one international best-selling author, challenges listeners to stand tall, to be accountable no matter what the setbacks, and to recommit to enhancing their lives as well as assisting others around them. Listen to The Dave Pelzer Show every Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Radio Network.
0: Hey, tea lovers, this is Betsy Rosenberg, and I hope you know about my favorite brand of tea. If not, listen up. This is not just another brand of tea. It's an entirely different level of tea. I'm talking about Mighty Leaf, the tea that's so delicious it helped my husband and I kick our coffee habit a few years ago. Not only does Mighty Leaf use the whole leaf of teas grown in China, India, and beyond, and come in a flavorful assortment of blacks, greens, and whites, but the pouches that hold the tea are as high a quality as the tea itself. The silk and biodegradable sacks are not only glue, staple, and chemical, Free, they're gorgeous and made from corn. Check it out yourself. You'll find Mighty Leaf at Whole Foods markets across the country, in the finest hotels and restaurants, as well as online at MightyLeaf.com. My current favorites are the Organic Detox Infusion and Organic Green Dragon. So start your day with a cup of organic Mighty Leaf tea and get infused with your green routine. In stressful times like these, we need to detoxify our bodies as well as our environment. Discover for yourself why, with just one cup of Mighty Leaf tea, you'll be hooked for life, for personal and Health. Drink Mighty Leaf. Keep listening to the Green Talk Network for the latest in the sustainability and green movement for all of our futures today and tomorrow. The Green Talk Network. Spread the green.
1: You're listening to On the Green Front with Betsy Rosenberg. The phone lines are open for your comments and questions at 1 888 346 9141. That's 1 888 346 9141. You can also send Betsy Rosenberg an email. Her address is betsy at thegreenfront.com. Now, back to On the Green Front with Betsy Rosenberg.
2: And
0: when it comes to greening our world, there is lots of good news to report. You hear about it on programs like ours. Government is now finally doing its part. Business is stepping up to the plate. And citizens like yourself are making a positive difference. The good folks and our friends at Greenopolis want to reward and encourage more sustainability projects and is awarding grant money to help fund exemplary eco-efforts. The Greenopolis Foundation is offering between $100 to $1,000 for ideas that promote green living and education. Examples could be planting a community garden, starting a recycling program, or developing a course on conservation for kids in your area. If you'd like to apply for a grant, go to the Greenopolis site and register. It's quick and easy, and all good ideas are welcome. Check it out at Greenopolis.com. And we are speaking with the uh, Vice President of Content for Greenopolis.com, Joe Lauer. And in our last segment, we were chatting about... Uh, what's in his book, Necessary Revolution, and I just wanted to uh, read this quote that kind of sums up what uh, is a key premise of uh, that book. Business people with traditional competitive win-lose mindsets are closing their eyes to the fact that there are really only two long-term options when it comes to dealing with sustainability issues, win-win or lose-lose. And then you go on to talk about how to avoid the lose-lose path. Well, gee, I'd say we have everything at stake, don't we, Joe?
2: Uh, yeah, yeah abs- absolutely, Betsy. Um, tell tell and, us about
0: Minneapolis and the, the, and the origins
2: of that. Well, the idea came about uh, with a, uh, a fellow from waste management who worked in their organic growth group who was always casting around for new businesses and innovative things to uh, move toward the future, and a web developer who was doing some work with them. They thought it would be interesting to have a social network website that was simply devoted to uh, to green issues and let people learn from each other and try to attract people... To a program that they could make one incremental step at a time. Just do the next thing. So don't have to put on a hair shirt, go solar, everything completely tomorrow. For most people, that seems too daunting. It's like trying to go up Mount Everest, your first climb. It'd rather, you know, help them build a path and learn t- together peer to peer so that they can begin to make a change and move that needle by millions of people, uh, all doing incremental actions. But they, those drops in the bucket, they all, uh, they all add up. And again, it was a way of learning, and this has always been a theme in my work, of learning for sustainability, to learn with each other, learn from each other, and uh, and to share and accelerate the process of learning so that we can uh, create our sustainable uh, world uh, uh, while we've got the time to do so.
0: And this is a fun way of working in concert with others and communicating with others, and that's key, isn't it?
2: It absolutely. I mean it, it's, it's got to be fun. Uh, you know some of us are motivated by, by, by the hair shirt philosophy, but most of us want to do something that's attractive, not reactive. And um, one of the things we do with the site is we give people points when they come on the site. so you get a, an avatar and a badge and all kinds of cool things. but then you can use uh, earn points by uh, blogging and, and, and posting responses to other people and putting up quizzes and polls and just generally engaging on the site and uh, and then those points can be exchanged for rewards or they can be given to a, a charity or not-for-profit and trigger uh, you know uh, cash rewards to those. Um, we are now in the process of matching up the reward program not only with online activity, but with offline activity as well, programs where you can put your recycling out <clears throat> and get points for doing that back on the Granopolis site so that the more you recycle uh, your waste streams, uh, the more points you're going to earn. Uh, Reverse vending machines at the at major retail sites, so that you can go there and actually stick the bottles back in the machine and get a get a point for every bottle or every can or everything you're recycling. And and again, wave a fob and get points back on the Granopolis site. And then when you go to check cash your points or just check your balance, you suddenly notice there's an interesting blog or there's a really cool video or here's a, here's a contest that you can enter or here's a grant that your school might be interested in. So Greenopolis obviously means the green city, and we're trying to create a whole municipality of activities for people. But again, the key focus is to learn, take action, get rewarded for it, and to do it together, because it really is going to take all of us.
0: Virtual community is really possible on the Internet, and it seems with all the popularity of Facebook and uh, Twittering that people really do want to connect, and however they can do that um, is great, and it's even greater if it's for a green purpose.
2: Well, and, and here it's, 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 it's virtual community coupled with real community, um, because we won't be able to to turn the corner uh, on our environmental issues only online. It must translate into real on-the-ground action. And, um, and most importantly, as we said in the earlier segment, new ways of thinking about these issues.
0: And is it for all ages, or are you gearing it towards uh, the younger set? Uh,
2: well, really, it's for all ages. We've, we've got people of all ages on there. I would say the the, the kind of target core demographic, if you, if you talk to our marketers, would be uh, you know, women uh, uh, 18 to 37 or something like that. But we have plenty of women that are older. We have plenty of men on who like the cool technologies that, that much of the uh, green innovation represents. Uh, and we are, are particularly targeting schools uh, because a school is such an interesting nexus you can do a small environmental project at a school and maybe only a handful of, of the students are involved, but so many more students are exposed. And just like when we walk into a synagogue or a church or a mosque, we have certain rituals that we do that connect us uh, to the reason we're there. When we're at school, there are so many symbolic and and uh, 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 little educational things that we can be exposed to that can influence us, really, uh, our trajectory for the rest of our lives. So our, our Granopolis Foundation uh is targeting grants for schools and community groups uh, um, uh as well as schools to create sustainability learning through a grant share that learning online with a broader community and uh, so others can grab it and replicate it
0: That's great, Joe. And we just have a couple minutes left, if you don't mind. I just want to read a quote from your book summary. I just love it. Talking about life beyond the bubble is not only about our relationships with the Earth, with one another, and with other species. It is also about our relationship with ourselves, what it means to be human. We are a young species who, uncertain of our niche, has very recently, in a virtual second of life's day on Earth, expanded to fill the world. In a sense, we are like teenagers, full of enthusiasm and energy, and more than a bit confused. And like every teenager must, we are about to discover that we are not the center of the universe, not even the center of life on this planet. We are but one of millions, and our merit depends not on our ego, but on our contribution. I love that, maybe because I have a (laughs) 14-year-old. It's so true.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's right, and I think we are at that cusp point as a species. Are we moving from our adolescence and our teenage years into a maturity that really recognizes our place in the whole system, as important as it is? and and in some ways as insignificant as we are, uh, and those are both true, and, uh, and recognizes uh, how we are not outside of the system, but we are an integral piece of it, uh, both for good or for ill.
0: And just to read the last sentence of that paragraph that I find so inspiring, whether we are prepared or not, the teenager is growing into an adult, and we must trust that the problems we face, no matter how daunting they appear, are exactly those needed to guide us through the transition. Joe Lauer, thank you so much for your great work and your contributions to the Green Front today.
2: It's been my total pleasure, Betsy.
0: And on the Green Front today, what's new with environmental education? I hope you have learned some things and been inspired with our guests, Kimberly Pinkston, Carleen Cullen, and last but not least, Joe Lauer. Have a great Green Week. We'll see you next time on the Green Front.